0: Hey everybody, this is Pastor James and welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We are still in chapter 26 and because there is so much going on, um, we are just going to focus on a very short passage today. This is verses 47 through 56 where Jesus is betrayed and arrested. I feel like this is just kind of one of those passages we just need to spend a good amount of time on and talk about it and give it its uh, due... uh, It's due respect and honor. Um, Last week, we finished up Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, (coughs) excuse me, and his disciples sleeping on him instead of praying. And uh, at the end of that passage, Judas showed up with uh, the mob of people that's going to arrest Jesus. So today, verses 47 through 56, where Jesus is betrayed and arrested, let's read this together and then we'll talk about it. It says, Even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Alright. So in this moment, we see that Judas has done the deed. He is committed to the betrayal of jesus and uh he has arrived to deliver jesus over to the religious leaders and accompanying him were a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs and so just to kind of understand who these men are that this group of people you have the temple guards who were present and they would have obviously been under the control of the priest during that time you also had some roman soldiers who were present in this mob and they were provided to assist with this arrest um, and these Roman soldiers would have been given to uh, the priests, so the priests would have still been in charge of them even though like they were there together um, with the temple guards. So you have this, this pretty large mob of people who have come with swords and clubs. And Judas shows up with this crowd, and he immediately gives Jesus a warm greeting with a kiss, and this would have been a customary greeting. As he says greetings rabbi um, and gives him a kiss and you can sense even in this moment that Judas uh, just does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah nor does he uh, think that Jesus knows any difference obviously there's no confidence that Judas has here in Jesus knowing anything beyond what he what a normal person would know And, and if you remember During the last supper, during the Passover feast, Judas even asked Jesus, am I the one to betray you? And even though Jesus affirmed it, it seems that Judas just still isn't convinced that Jesus knows all these things. And everything about Judas was evil. It was hypocritical. Um, You know, Judas had been stealing from their funds, uh, their financial funds this whole time. Um, Even in this moment, everything is evil and hypocritical. Um... He didn't believe Jesus was the teacher or he wouldn't have betrayed him for uh, the price of of a really low, probably the lowest slave. And when he greets Jesus with this customary kiss, it's almost like he is still trying to cover up his betrayal, like Jesus doesn't realize what's going on. But before anything else really happens, Jesus exposes his intentions. And this probably would have been the moment that Judas... Uh, feels guilt for the first time as Jesus says, Oh, you betray me with a kiss. Uh, Jesus also still refers to him as a friend and tells him to go ahead and do what he has come to do. And I can imagine a more convicting and guilt-causing statement than how Jesus responded to the betrayal of Judas in this moment where he still refers to him as friend. He still tells him to do what he needs to do, what he came to do and uh <clears throat> i just can't imagine anything more hurting in that moment than judas hearing those words but this is the part of the story that gets extremely hard to rationalize to the disciples and as jesus is being arrested one of the men pulled a sword and cut off the ear of the high priest slave and the gospel of john identifies this disciple as peter so in this moment We see that at least one of the disciples is willing to go down fighting with Jesus. If you remember in the previous weeks, um, Jesus had predicted uh, all the disciples deserting him and Peter's denial. But in this moment, uh, Peter seems to be honoring what he said he would do. Lord, I will die with you. But here's the hard part about this situation. Jesus rebukes Peter for using his sword. And Peter's calling, and this is so important for us to remember, the calling on the disciples and the calling on Peter's life extended far beyond the duty of fighting a physical battle. It wasn't a physical war. It was a spiritual war. Jesus did not want his disciples to die fighting. It was, I mean, if you think about it, from the creation of man, people had been dying in battle and it may help things for a little while but there from from my understanding if if I'm quoting this right i think since the beginning of recorded history there's only been about 30 years on earth that there has not been some type of war going on. So for all of history, with the exception well, all of known recorded history, there's only been about 30 total years that there has not been a war going on somewhere on the earth. And so to die fighting is very noble. I'm very thankful of the men and women in our military who have given up their lives for the sake of our freedom, for the sake of our country. It, It means so much to me. But Jesus is not just focused on worldly things, he's focused on spiritual things. He's not just focused on temporary earthly things, he's focused on heavenly eternal things. And he knows that if the disciples die fighting, it will it may only bring about temporary results. But if the disciples willingly give up their life, like they had called Jesus to do, then... The results would last for eternity. And so Peter's calling extends far beyond the physical, and it is very much spiritual. He wanted his disciples to be willing to lay down their life for the gospel and not to just go down fighting. So... This is what's hard for the disciples to rationalize in this moment, and it would be much different. It would be the same difficultness for us as well. It's one thing to go down fighting. When we can fight and defend ourselves, it's one thing. But whenever we don't feel like we can defend ourselves, whenever we feel like we're just absolutely helpless, that's a totally different story, and most people are not willing to put up with that at all. And so, when the disciples realize that they could not fight, they realized very quickly that they were not ready to go and die the death that Jesus had called them to die. And another interesting statement of Christ in this moment is when he said that he could call down thousands of angels and that God would send them immediately. So Jesus had the ability to defend himself with the power of God. But Jesus was not concerned about his physical life and his physical protection. He was more concerned about making sure that the scriptures were fulfilled. And you need to write this down and etch this in your mind for all of eternity. This is so important. This statement by Jesus that I can't do this because the scriptures need to be fulfilled This points to the absolute importance and the integrity of the scriptures that God has given us. Jesus was willing to lay down his life in order for the scriptures to be fulfilled to prove the truth of God's word. So even as Jesus is getting ready to go to his death, and yes, he was dying for us and dying so that we could all have eternal life and meet Jesus face to face and be in heaven with him, that's very important, but it's even in, it's so important to realize that at the same time, Jesus is laying down his life so that the scriptures can be fulfilled. God's word is truth, and it can be relied on without question, and Jesus made sure to solidify God's word in this moment by his death and by his resurrection that Jesus being willing to do God's will helps solidify God's word for all of eternity. So that's super important. Remember that. Take that with you to your deathbed because you need to remember that as you read God's word that Jesus gave up his life in order to continue to solidify and prove it to be true. All right. So Jesus goes on to ask all this mob of men, am I some criminal or revolutionary that you come at me with so many men with weapons in the middle of the night out in this garden? Why didn't you arrest me in broad daylight? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? Why didn't you arrest me when everyone can see? And the truth is, <clears throat> is that all of this is being done with evil motives. That's why it's being done in the dark. That's why it's being done outside of town, in a garden, in secret. All of this is being done exactly according to god's will and done according to the scriptures and how god's word predicted it would be done so long ago so yes it was done in evil but at the same time god knew how it was going to happen and he foretold it there was prophecies about it and all this had to be done in order for god's word to be fulfilled and it's at this point when the disciples realize that they cannot fight and that jesus is willingly going with these men That the disciples desert him. Just a few hours ago, they were all willing to die. They were all willing to go. And even a few moments ago, as long as they could fight, they were willing to go down fighting with him. But they aren't willing to be arrested without a fight. They aren't willing to go and face what Jesus is going to face without fight. And when Jesus calls them not to fight, to lay down their swords, to lay down their lives, it brings about a totally different aspect of sacrifice and surrender that the disciples had not yet experienced and they had never seen anyone do before. Many people are willing to fight. Very few people are willing to die without a struggle. And it takes a totally different mindset and heart set to do that. We have to be totally different We have to be on a completely different level of spirituality in order to be willing to sacrifice and lay our lives down and die in the name of Jesus without a fight. But that is exactly what we are called to do. We are called to be living sacrifices to God. We are called to continuously lay our lives, our wills, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, our all we're called to lay it down over and over again every day until we die or until Jesus returns and we go to be with the Lord. We are called to die to ourselves every day and the calling has never changed. It's always been there and guys, I hope that you are obeying that call. As I said last week, we need to be praying and keeping watch because our spirit is willing If we were sitting here today, we'd say, I want to die, I want to live for you, I want to give my heart to you, but our body is weak, and we don't always do what our spirit wants to do. So we have to be prayed up, paid up, ready to go up, allowing God to fill us with the spirit and empower us to do his will, and I hope you're doing that today. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for another beautiful day and for the opportunity to read your word and to learn and grow with you. I pray, God, that you would speak into our hearts and lives. And, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would guide us and help us to live for you and honor you and glorify you. Help everything that we do be pleasing to you. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks again for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. hope that all is well. And if we can't see you on campus this weekend, we hope that you follow us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. We're praying for you. Have a great week.